Buying a house can feel like you're going 200 miles per hour in bumper-to-bumper traffic with a dirty windshield and the sun in your eyes. Ruoff Mortgage has the technology, expert staff, and resources to simplify the process while speeding up the time it takes to get clear to close. So while getting a loan can seem intimidating, Ruoff Mortgage will have you opening the door to your new home fast and stress-free. Visit Ruoff.com to learn more. That's Ruoff.com. Sir, are you aware you were going 40 miles an hour? This is a residential area. Sure, but I'm on my lawnmower. Wait, am I getting a ticket? No, I've just never seen anyone top nine miles an hour on one of those bad boys. And mow their entire lawn in 30 seconds? What got into you? Well, it did fuel up at Sunoco this morning. At Sunoco, we know how to fuel peak performance. We've been doing it for American Racing for over 50 years. Fuel your best. The following is a production of the Motor Racing Network, the voice of NASCAR. The Motor Racing Network presents NASCAR Live. Here they come out of turn number two for the final time. Ryan Blaney down low, Chase Elliott up high. Here's Elliott. He's got a fender out in front. Fans are losing their minds in the infield, but Blaney comes back to the bottom. They're racing for the win in Dega. Two by two by two as they come into turns three and four. Michael McDowell gives Ryan Blaney an excellent push. Again, that puts Blaney in the lead, but here comes Elliott on the outside. It's Ford versus Chevrolet for the win at Talladega. Here comes Chase Elliott. He's going to lead him through the trioval. Can he lead him all the way to the checkered flag? Ryan Blaney is there. He'll look to the outside. He won't get there. And Chase Elliott has won at Talladega, winning the Yellowwood 500 of the Talladega Super Speedway. A bold move off four, and Chase Elliott is going to Ruoff Mortgage Victory Lane. NASCAR Live is brought to you by Lou Emu Maximum Pain Relief, the official pain relief cream of NASCAR. It works fast, and you won't stink. And by Toyota. For the latest Toyota racing information, visit toyotaracing.com. From the MRN Studios in Concord, North Carolina, here is your host, Mike Bagley. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another edition of NASCAR Live on the Motor Racing Network. Mike Bagley and the entire MRN crew here with you after... Racing at Talladega Super Speedway over the weekend in Talladega. It was a triple event weekend. Trucks, Xfinity, NASCAR Cup cars. We're going to look back at this past weekend's Yellowwood 500 for the NASCAR Cup Series. A part of those proceedings on Sunday was Joey Logano, the driver of the number 22 Shell Pennzoil Ford Mustang. Joey's going to join us on the show today as well. We're also going to preview the NASCAR Cup Series playoff round of 12 cutoff race coming up this weekend at the Charlotte Roval. Plus, we'll hear what it would mean to Xfinity Series playoff drivers to win a championship. And Talladega truck winner Matt Benedetto will join us on the show and a whole lot more. But first, Kyle Ricky is here with a check of the latest headlines. Kyle? Mike, another silly season domino is expected to fall this week. The Athletic reports that Colleague Racing's number 16 car in the NASCAR Cup Series will be driven full-time by A.J. Allmendinger in 2023. Almondinger, who locked himself into the Xfinity Series round of eight with a win at Talladega this past Saturday, has been a part of the organization since 2019. AJ has amassed 12 Xfinity victories with the team and also gave the organization their first Cup Series victory in 2021 at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway road course. 2023 would mark Almondinger's first full-time season at the Cup level since departing JTG Doherty Racing at the conclusion of the 2018 season. 
And Almendinger isn't the only former open-wheel racer making news this weekend, as we will see two very familiar names to IndyCar fans on the track in Charlotte this weekend. Marco Andretti makes his Xfinity Series debut for Big Machine Racing in Saturday's Drive for the Cure 250. On Sunday, one of Andretti's former NTT IndyCar Series competitors, Connor Daly, will make his Cup Series debut. Daly will drive the number 50 Chevrolet for the money team. This will be Daly's fourth start in NASCAR, having driven one Xfinity race and two Truck Series events. Most recently for Nice Motorsports last spring at the Las Vegas Motor Speedway. Mike. Thank you, Kyle. Coming up, a NASCAR Live backtracks of Sunday's Yellowwood 500. And later, Joey Logano will join us. This NASCAR season, every member of the Toyota Racing Team is doing their part to take the trophy home. Like 6th grader Melissa Kowalski, who changes true to true X on every true-false quiz she takes. All my teachers are Martin Truex Jr. fans now. Keep up the great work, Melissa. To accomplish greater things this year, everyone plays a part. Be part of the action at toyota.com slash racing. Toyota, let's go places. NASCAR is a registered trademark of National Association for Stock Car Auto Racing, Inc. This is NASCAR Live. Now, back to Mike Bagley. Welcome back to NASCAR Live. The run of non-playoff drivers finally ended on Sunday as Chase Elliott became the first playoff driver to win a NASCAR Cup Series playoff race in 2022. He went to victory lane in the Yellowwood 500 at Talladega. Chase's win secures him into the playoff round of eight. Let's take a listen back on how Chase Elliott took the checkered flag in another edition of a NASCAR Live Backtracks. Here they come through the tri-oval. Greg Harris on top of the flag stand, ready to put them under the green flag. Tightly bunched, two by two, and the green flag is in the air. The Yellowwood 500 is underway at Talladega. Trouble on the racetrack. Harrison Burton gets turned. He goes up and pounds the outside wall. There's a big crash in turn one in front of Dave Moody. He takes Justin Allgaier into the fence. He takes Ricky Stenhouse Jr. They're still scrambling. A number of cars now sliding down to the infield as uh, the Ty Gibbs machine has been collected as well. Somebody got turned at the in the middle of the pack, went to the outside wall, and it was just dodgeball from then on. Denny Hamlin is the man in control, headed through the trioval. And he's going to be right on the bottom of the racetrack. Still got to get through the trioval and back to the green and white checkered flag. Hamlin downstairs. Here comes Ryan Blaney, a full head of steam at the line. It's going to be going to Ryan Blaney, who will win stage number one by nine one thousandths of a second over Denny Hamlin. Winner of stage number one, Ryan Blaney, who was running at the front of the field, just pulled out a line and is now dropped to the tail end of that lead group. Again, the uh, pack is broken up some here since we put him back under the green flag. Oh, one car spins. It's Christopher Bell. He'll spin, nearly collect the inside wall, does a masterful job of getting the car pointed back in the right direction. His entry to pit road has been messed up. He's going to be uh, hard-pressed just to hang on to the draft. They're going to have to change tires as he's flat spotted those. Kyle Busch, Denny Hamlin, they're on pit road. And here comes Christopher Bell. No doubt about it, this has totally altered their strategy. First off, they have a right front flat tire. 
from that spin down pit road. The quickly, the crew quickly gathered and grabbed a set of tires as they watched their car spin up at the end of pit road. Four tires, Sonoma Racing Fuel, but they are long, long gone. Way, way, way behind their other Toyota drivers. Stage points hanging in the balance. Tyler Reddick leads out of two. He's in the outside. He'll stay up there. He will not dart to the inside. Instead, that inside line again with that tandem of Larson and Elliott occupying the lane. And Tyler Reddick gets a little push from Daniel Suarez and loses it. He goes way to the high side and he gets passed by the entire field. Kyle Larson by himself with Chase Elliott just behind. He's your new leader off turn four. Tyler Reddick's got bigger problems. He's way off the pace underneath the yellow line. Coming down to the green and white checkered flag. Stage number two is over and Chase Elliott wins stage number two with a last moment pass around his teammate Kyle Larson. Eric Jones gets a huge shove from Michael McDowell, from Chase Elliott, from Danny Hamlin. He'll go to the lead on turn two. Eric Jones punches a hole to the inside of Ryan Blaney. Thanks to drafting help stacked up behind him. It's Jones to the lead. It's Michael McDowell to second. Here's Chase Elliott to the inside of Blaney for third. We're going to get a caution flag and we are going to slow it down. Caution flag flying at the start finish line i'm guessing debris alex because we take a look around we've got a stalled car postman he's literally right at your feet don't know if this is what brought up the caution but perhaps it is yeah daniel hemrick's car is sitting right here at the exit of pit road last pit box actually and uh, he's just sitting here trying to start the car celsius sponsorship on the car but uh, daniel hemrick is right here and this is not a place you want a race car sitting and nascar had to make the call to send the caution this stadium is rocking in anticipation of this green white checker finish here at the talladega super speedway Green is back out. Eric Jones, Ross Chastain topside to the inside. A pair of Ford Mustangs, Ryan Blaney and Michael McDowell. Blaney on the bottom. Elliott squeezing him to the low lane. Wheel to wheel for the win off turn two. Here they come out of turn number two for the final time. Ryan Blaney down low. Chase Elliott up high. Here's Elliott. He's got a fender out in front. Fans are losing their minds in the infield. But Blaney comes back to the bottom. They're racing for the win in Dega. Two by two by two as they come into turns three and four. Michael McDowell gives Ryan Blaney an excellent push. Again, that puts Blaney in the lead. But here comes Elliott on the outside. It's Ford versus Chevrolet for the win in here comes Chase Elliott. He's going to lead him through the tri-oval. Can he lead him all the way to the checkered flag? Ryan Blaney is there. He'll look to the outside. He won't get there. And Chase Elliott has won at Talladega. Had a great shove by Eric and, uh, you know, the 43 there on those last couple laps. And just, yeah, you know, the timing went our way. Was able to get clear of the top lane and get up there uh, in time to for them to him to give me a shove so i don't think he came off my back bumper for the last you know a lap and a half all the way until we got off four and uh fortunately was able to get clear of ryan enough to to get by him so it was uh it was, it was a fun one man these things are just they're so hard to win and you really have to enjoy them and embrace that the fans were incredible there after the race such a uh, amazing moment there that uh, you, you always have to cherish and uh certainly won't won't forget that one anytime soon another very exciting day in talladega alabama coming up joey logano is going to stop by and later we'll preview the playoff cutoff rates for the round of 12 coming up this weekend in charlotte
NASCAR season is here, and everyone on the Toyota racing team is doing their part to perform at the highest level. From driver Ty Gibbs to amateur musician Russell Viper, who's working on the perfect pre-race pump-up track for the team. Start those Camrys up! Yeah! To accomplish greater things this year, everyone plays a part. Be part of the action at toyota.com slash racing. Toyota, let's go places. NASCAR is a registered trademark of National Association for Stock Car Auto Racing, Inc. This is NASCAR Live. Now, back to Mike Bagley. Welcome back to NASCAR Live. Sunday at Talladega was a struggle for Joey Logano. He finished 27th in the Yellowwood 500, and it dropped him from the top of the playoff standings to out of the Provisional Championship 4, heading into this weekend's race at Charlotte. Despite that, Joey's still in good shape to advance to the round of eight. He's sitting right now in the fifth position. Our Chris Wilner caught up with Joey last week ahead of Talladega to discuss a recent test at Homestead and his championship hopes and a whole lot more. Coming off of Texas, I know you had opportunity to test at Homestead and we've got two more mile and a half races. What kind of things did you guys learn? I mean, I feel like that test kind of came at a good opportunity. You know, when you go chase for a championship, to, that's a place you can capitalize at. So how did the test go and where do you guys figure out your mile and a half packages for those two races? Yeah, I mean, testing now has become the most important thing uh, that, that we have because of the lack of practice right right now we have 20 minutes of practice and we can change very limited amount of things to our race car so we learn hardly nothing right you're just trying to get your balance right but you don't really learn much uh throughout the race weekends so the tests become ultra ultra valuable and so you know to having that ability to go to miami last week uh we learned quite a bit of things and they transferred over to texas which was great and we'll have to you know try to keep evolving but that was a really good uh, test where we were able to get some good direction out of things and then leaving texas with another non-playoff driver taking the checkered flag how concerning is it or how do you guys as playoff drivers approach with so many of these kind of variables especially now with the roval posing more opportunities for non-playoff drivers uh, to win and kind of shake things up well hey if you're in the playoffs and you don't win you want someone not in the playoffs to win Right? It doesn't take up one of those guaranteed spots and make it harder to get through. So if you can't win, you want a non-playoff guy to win. <laughs> it's just kind of how it works. So uh, we'll take it. Um, much, much rather had the 22 in victory lane last week, but I, I'd much rather have the eight in victory lane uh, compared to somebody that I'm racing against in the playoffs. It's just the facts. And then uh, before we kind of talk a little bit about the championship element of, of kind of what you're chasing for, the tires that we saw at Texas, kind of what was your evaluation? Obviously, not so much on your guys' end, but some of our contenders had issues. I mean, is there a simple fix? Is this something that's going to take time? What are kind of your your assessments of kind of what we saw at Texas uh, in terms of the tires? Yeah, I really think the, the, the tire itself, um, there's, there's a few different issues going on. And there's not one fix, just like everything else. There's not one fix that's going to fix everything. Um, you know, the tire itself, uh, I, I think the teams don't know where the limitations are um, of the tire. And so when they set up their race car, they are setting it up to what they think is optimal. But they don't know where the durability of the tire lays. Because we don't, don't have a lot of practice, and it's the first time going to these racetracks. And so Texas, yeah, we ran the all-star racer, but we never made long runs. And we had a different tire there. And so we all found the edge <laughs> at, at this time. And I guarantee if we went back to 
Texas tomorrow, you wouldn't see that many tires blow out because everyone would adapt and change their setups to it. The concerning part to me is the inconsistency in tires. That's what we have to fix. That's that's the number one thing to me is having sets that handle different than others or vibrate and make you feel like you're on square tires, you know, when you really, really want them round, obviously. So it just a, a really, uh, th that's the piece to me that's the most concerning. The durability piece is a lot in the team's hands as much as it's in Goodyear's hands. 2020, you came so close to being a two-time champion. I'm sure, you know, we're not the only ones that will remind you of that. But where does the confidence level in terms of now that we're halfway through this second round, where's the confidence level to go and, and put yourself in a position to be uh, a two-time champion come Phoenix here next month? Yeah, I feel good about it. I feel really good about uh, this year, um, you know, especially last week. You know, Texas, I, I was a little concerned about. I was concerned about this round, right, because I wasn't sure how good we are going to be at Texas um, considering mile and a half were, were a bit of our weakness up to last week. And really the Miami test came at, like you said, the greatest time ever um, <clears throat> where we were able to learn a lot and get better for that track, which is great. Uh, and then you had Talladega and, and those places. I just made me concerned for this round. Are you superstitious at all? Because, I mean, I, I don't know if you put this together, but Hudson was born the year you won, right, your championship. Jameson was born when you came really close in 2020. I got Amelia was born earlier this year. So what do you think? That sounds great. <laughs> I, I haven't been superstitious before, but you brought up a great point there. So we're going to go with it this year. So we'll see. <laughs> hey, if we win the championship, we might have another kid. <laughs> I was about to say, I mean, well, you know, keep the train rolling. My wife's sitting over here. She just looked at me like, the hell we are. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Well, championship, I'm just saying, there, there may be a, a method here. Uh, finally, though, we did at Bristol celebrate your 500 career, career start. Did you have an opportunity to really think about what that meant and all that you've accomplished? Because it seems like time, where did time go? 500 already? Yeah, I mean, it, in some ways it feels like it went by quick, and in some ways it feels like it's taken forever. Um, you know, but it, Hey, it's great. You know, 500 starts is, is it's it's special, um, but to me, it's just about winning, right? It's it's not really about the starts. Um, the starts are great, but uh, it, it's all about winning the races and, and stacking that that stat up more more to me. Um, right? Starts are those are participation awards. Eh, don't really do it for me. Uh, I want to win the race. Thank you, Chris. Coming up, we'll take a closer look at which playoff drivers will need a strong run at the Charlotte Roval to advance to the round of eight. And later, we hear what winning a championship would mean to those racing in the NASCAR Xfinity Series playoffs. Well, listeners, in case you didn't get enough sports today, here's an ad break that'll tell you how to watch even more sports. YouTube is the new home of NFL Sunday Ticket. And if you sign up now, you'll get our lowest full season price of the year. Just go to youtube.com slash Spotify offer to get $100 off NFL Sunday ticket. Watch your favorite team's out-of-market Sunday afternoon games exclusively on YouTube and YouTube TV. All right, enough about sports. Go get more sports. Terms and embargoes apply. Offer ends June 6. No refunds. NASCAR Live is brought to you by Blue Emu Maximum Pain Relief, the official pain relief cream of the Motor Racing Network. Blue Emu is family-owned and manufactured here in America. It works fast, and you won't stink. Now, back to Mike Bagley. Welcome back to NASCAR Live. The NASCAR Cup Series playoff round of 12 comes to a close this weekend as they'll race once again at the Charlotte Roval at the Charlotte Motor Speedway. 
Rookie Austin Sendrick, William Byron, Christopher Bell, and Alex Bowen all sit below the cutoff line heading into this weekend. Can any of them unseat the eight ahead of them? Our Kyle Ricky takes us through it. The 2022 NASCAR Cup Series playoffs are already halfway done, and the second elimination race is upon us. This weekend, the field will be trimmed from 12 to 8 after a race at the always unpredictable Charlotte Roval. This past Sunday at Talladega marked the first playoff driver to win a playoff race and lock themselves into the round of eight. That winner was Chase Elliott. Elliott has won two of the four races at the Roval thus far. He is sure to be a favorite again this weekend. But now we'll just be in the hunt for some more playoff points this Sunday. One of the other drivers who has won at the Roval is Ryan Blaney. Blaney came up just a few feet short from beating Elliott at Talladega and locking himself into the next round. That great run, though, gives Blaney a 32-point cushion heading into this weekend. The Roval is always Blaney's best track from a statistical perspective and one that he says he looks forward to going to every year. I, I enjoy it. Uh, it's definitely a different kind of feel than a normal road course like a Road America or a Sonoma or something. Kind of a combination of all these road courses we go to. So uh, I look forward to it every year. Uh, I feel like it's grown on a lot of teams and drivers. I remember the first year they announced we were they were going to do this, and I thought we all thought they were crazy. You know, like, what are you doing? And uh, it turned out to be a hit. You know, and and uh, I think everyone enjoys going there now. So uh, some I look forward to. Um, try to win another one. That'd be that'd be pretty cool. And uh, so I, I don't know if it's my favorite personal favorite road course to go race at, but it's definitely up there. And the top two or three. The driver who sits directly below Blaney in the standings is Ross Chastain. Chastain was also in contention all race at Talladega and heads into this weekend with a 28-point advantage over ninth. While one would think Chastain's confidence would be high considering the success he has had on road courses this season, that's just not the case. Cautiously optimistic. I mean, I think the Roval, or I know that for me, the Roval has been the outlier for road courses for me in my career. Um, really the only time I've felt successful there on track was in a complete downpour in the Xfinity series a few years ago in the 10 car. And it took a complete rainstorm to make me feel competitive. And other than that, I've just always felt a bit off. As far as why the Alba Florida driver struggles on the Charlotte road course, he explains that the elevation changes and the transition from the road course section to the bank's oval makes the track different from anything else on the circuit. It's so different. It was similar, um, a little bit similar feel at the Daytona road course, but that was a lot flatter and just the elevation change to the infield through all the, right, I don't, I don't know if we're racing over dirt hills or trash hills in there, but uh, it it's just a different racetrack. So it's been the one I've um, struggled at the most and um, struggled through the off-season and preseason testing there um, that was actually the first place I crashed uh, the new car was I spun in the final chicane and hit the front stretch wall uh, driver's side so that did not feel good and we've we made a lot of progress on our road course stuff and I'm continuing to try to be better so this is the the one that I've had the most questions about as far as road courses go and um, we're still preparing and good part is we're not we're not to race day yet so uh, we'll keep keep pushing. The driver who sits ninth in the standings entering this weekend is Daytona 500 champion Austin Sindrick. Sindrick is tied with Chase Briscoe, who currently holds the eighth position, thanks to a tiebreaker. For Sindrick, 
This weekend will be about earning as many points as possible and staying on offense. Something he says can be easier said than done. <laughs> you just got to be good. You have to have something to play with. And, and from that standpoint, whether if it's you know aggression on restarts or the ability to do so or um, strategy, I, I, I look at the playoffs for us in the two car. We don't. We have a lot to gain. Um, I'm not going to say we don't have anything to lose because it's a great opportunity, and I don't want to. I don't want to miss out on it. I mean, you've got past champions who haven't made it this year. It's not guaranteed that I'm going to come back and be sitting here in the playoffs next year. So I think you have to approach it with that mentality and um, go forward like you have everything to gain and um, put your put your game face on and go try and do it. One aspect of the points battle that is up in the air heading into this weekend is the status of Hendrick Motorsports driver Alex Bowman. Bowman missed the race at Talladega after suffering a concussion in an accident at Texas. Bowman will still be eligible to advance if he can return on Sunday, but he's in a must-win scenario. Team owner Rick Hendrick told reporters over the weekend that he is optimistic that the regular driver of the 48 will be back behind the wheel in Charlotte. You know, after the race, he, uh, he said he didn't feel good, but uh, it was Monday morning, and he, you know, I didn't know anything because he stayed in the car. And uh, then Monday morning, he didn't feel well. They started working with him Tuesday. Wednesday was good. He felt much better. And then Thursday, he backed up. He didn't feel good, so he went to see the doctor. And uh, so I think hopefully he'll be back next week. I think he will. He's feeling good today and yesterday. I guess he'll go back and get evaluated here midweek. Another caveat to the weekend are the road course specialists that will be in town. One of those specialists is A.J. Allmendinger. The colleague racing driver is one of the favorites to win an Xfinity Series championship, and while he'll be racing in the Cup Series event on Sunday, his first focus is securing a fourth straight Xfinity Series win on the Roval. We've won three in a row there. It's pretty, it's pretty special, and, and I have three really cool trophies from that race. And you know, it's always a, an important race because it's, you know, breast cancer awareness, and, and you got all the ladies that, the true heroes that have fought and survived and they're in victory lane with you. So it takes the pressure off of having to worry about points and hopefully we can go win four in a row. Could someone like Almendinger sweep the weekend and prevent a cup driver from locking into the round of eight with a win? Can Chastain cure his Roval woes in advance? Who wins the points battle between close friends, Cindric and Briscoe? All of those stories and more will be in focus in Sunday afternoon's Bank of America Roval 400. Thank you, Kyle. Coming up, what would winning a championship mean to A.J. Allmendinger and some of the other NASCAR Xfinity Series drivers? We'll find out. Plus, Matt Benedetto will stop by and join us as well. Today's broadcast is brought to you by Blue Emu Maximum Pain Relief, the official pain relief cream of the Motor Racing Network. This is NASCAR Live. Now, back to Mike Bagley. Continue on this week's NASCAR Live. The NASCAR Xfinity Series playoff round of 12 also concludes at the Charlotte Roval this weekend as four drivers will be eliminated from championship contention. Before they do, let's hear from a few of them on what lifting the Xfinity Series championship trophy would mean to them. 
A few championship dreams will come to an end Saturday evening at the Charlotte Roval as the NASCAR Xfinity Series will eliminate four drivers from championship contention. But for now, those dreams of winning a championship are alive and well for all 12 playoff drivers. Regular season champion A.J. Allmendinger took another step toward his potential first Xfinity Series championship, winning last weekend at Talladega, securing his spot in the round of eight. For Allmendinger, winning a championship would be a culmination of all his work at Colleg Racing. Yeah, I think it, it would just be a culmination of, of everything that we've worked together at, at Collard Racing and, and Matt Collard and Chris Rice just giving me the opportunity and all the men and women for, for the hard work, you know, to have those, to, to you know, we have two regular season titles now. We, I think we've won 13 races together. One of them's a cup, cup race at Indy. Yeah. You know, we've done a lot of great things. And if you could finish it off at Phoenix with a championship, that would just be the cherry on top. But to me now, the way these champions, you know, you get that final race, doesn't dictate how the rest of your year went. And, you know, Daniel was a perfect example last year. What he did to win the championship was amazing. We'd love to have it. But what I've traded that one moment for the six moments I had throughout the course of the year, probably not. So it's it would just be the cherry on top, you know, but I don't think it make or breaks this year or what we've accomplished over the four years together. Not only would it be that, but also it would mean a golf outing at one of America's famed courses. Augusta. Augusta. That was it. That's it. I try, so you win the championship, I try, I you tried, play Augusta. I tried to t- work that into a race win, and, and Matt, as great as Matt is, he shut me down right away on that. He said, no, that's a championship. I tried to use the regular season championship. Hell, I even tried to use Daniel being the champion from last year coming <laughs> over here to say, like, hey, we got both championships. He said, no, it's got to be his championship. So, Gusta. Noah Gregson is headed to the NASCAR Cup Series next season to race for Petty GMS Racing. Like Almendinger, Gregson has already claimed his spot in the next round. His teammate at Junior Motorsports, Justin Allgaier, is also in good position heading to the Roval. Allgaier is 25 points above the cut line. Allgaier first started racing full-time in the NASCAR Xfinity Series in 2009 and has been with Junior Motorsports since 2016. During that time, he has claimed a regular season championship in 2018, but has not been able to grab the ultimate prize. Allgaier believes that if he never wins a championship, it would not diminish all that he has accomplished. Look, we all do this. We get up every morning and we go to the racetrack because we want to win races and we want to be successful. A championship is a part of that. Um, but in my career in tomorrow, and I'm perfectly content with what we've accomplished, right? We've won a lot of races. We've done a lot of really cool stuff. Um, but that being said, I, you know, there would be nothing cooler than to be standing on the stage of Phoenix and my, my two girls and my wife standing there, my family standing there and hoisting that trophy up, right? Like, that would be incredible. Um, you know, if that happens, that's going to be amazing. If it doesn't, we'll try again next year and we'll go do it again. But um, I feel like this is the best position I've been in to win a championship. So in that regard, you know, this year is, is probably – the one I've circled the most is being like, I'm ready for it. Um, but if it doesn't happen, um, you know, definition of luck is when opportunity meets preparation. We're prepared. We just need the right opportunity. Austin Hill is in the midst of his first playoff appearance in his rookie season in the NASCAR Xfinity Series. But he does have several years of playoff experience from racing in the Truck Series. Because of that fact, Hill is looking to not change what's gotten him to this point. Well, it would mean a lot. I, I feel like don't change what's got you here. What you did all season long to get you this point, 
got you to this point for for a reason. And you know, we didn't win two races just out of luck. We didn't we didn't run you know top fives ten different times this year, and and I think we had like fourteen top ten finishes and uh, led laps and and all those things. You didn't it didn't just happen just just randomly. It it happened because of us putting the work in, minimizing mistakes throughout the season to get us to this point. So the biggest thing we got to do is just minimize the stakes throughout this playoffs. And I think we can go really, really far. And if we can make it to that final four, anything can happen from there. Jeremy Clements entered the playoffs as a long shot to win the championship. That remains true heading into this weekend at the Charlotte Roval, as Clements will have to win to secure his spot in the round of eight. For Clements, just getting to the playoffs means a great deal to his organization. Yeah, I mean, you know, we're we're a very small team that builds our own engines. So the better we, <clears throat> the better we can finish in the playoffs means the more money we win, honestly. And that's going to propel us into next year, be able to buy maybe better equipment, things of that nature, um, maybe get different employees. Who knows? I hate to say that. That's kind of mean. It? <laughs> you never know. I mean, I'm just saying it's going to help uh, with everything. And being in the playoffs two years in a row, once off points, one off a win is, is great. It helps with getting sponsors and everything. So doesn't hurt one bit. For all 12 NASCAR Xfinity Series playoff drivers, championship dreams will remain alive for a few more days. But some of those hopes will come to an end this Saturday in what is sure to be a dramatic round of 12 finale at the Charlotte Roval. Thank you, Kurt. Coming up, Matt DiBenedetto will drop by after his win over the weekend in Talladega. We'll also look back on the 1962 National 400 from Charlotte. This is NASCAR Live. Now, back to Mike Bagley. Welcome back to NASCAR Live. Over the weekend at Talladega Super Speedway in Alabama, the NASCAR Camping World Truck Series was back in action, and it was Matt Benedetto going to rule off Mortgage Victory Lane Saturday afternoon. That marks the first time he has gone to Victory Lane in the NASCAR Camping World Truck Series. Our Jason Toy, who was working in Victory Lane on Saturday, caught up with Matt on his breakthrough win in his first full-time season, racing one of those tough trucks. All right, we're joined now by Matt DiBenedetto, the most recent winner in the NASCAR Camping World Truck Series. Matty D, congratulations. How big is this for this organization? How, and especially, how big is this win from Talladega for you? Oh, man, both are so darn special. It's crazy. It's been, been a long time coming, to say the least, but it was... Uh, in God's perfect timing, it was amazing. And I'm so thankful, man, that it came with this team, that it came with Rackley War, a small family team, you know, out of little old Centerville, Tennessee, with, you know, Curtis Sutton, the team owner. You always see, you know, he owns Rackley Roofing, and you see his commitment to our team, and you see him on the truck all the time, even though we're still seeking sponsors and stuff. It's, uh, and then for Willie Allen, you know, it's their shops out behind his mom's house out in Centerville, Tennessee, and it's just a little, you know, just a regular old shop kind of reminds me of like my late model racing days. So I'm getting at is it just it's so special for the for the whole family and the team. Before we talk about the win from the other day at Talladega, talk about your team a little bit more. You know, you talked Willie started this team. Willie, of course, raced NASCAR Xfinity Series. He was uh, known here in, in the uh, in the major series for NASCAR, but a big late model guy from the Nashville area. And that's kind of where this team built out from was that was the Nashville at the Nashville Fairgrounds. Yeah, 100%. It's so cool because they uh, they have a very, very good, you know, super late model program. They got some incredibly fast hot rods in the late model stuff and some good development drivers. And 
you know, uh, Brittany Zamora is driving and they got some, you know, they've got an awesome program going there and they just, uh, you know, and Willie wanted to really grow this team and partnered up with Curtis and, and them, uh, them two are all in. We, we mesh very well because our personalities are all similar, all incredibly all in um, and don't ever settle for anything but the best. And it's so neat that we finally got that win at a, at a time that was very important as we're working on a lot of stuff, you know, to close out the season strong and working toward next year. Yeah, you guys are building the pond, and then you're back next year with the team, which is good to hear. But going back to the end of last year, the unknown of where you were going to go, how did things end up that you ended up where you are with Rackley War Racing? Yeah, you know, it's just it was crazy because I had you know so much life change going on, and I'm so thankful for where I'm at now, you know, in, in life in general, and kind of being humbled and getting things, you know, God helped me to put things in better perspective. But it's. Uh, yeah, it's so, you know, it's such an interesting journey. I just was like, man, what do I, you know, what do I want to do? Like cutting out all the noise of everything around me. What's, you know, what opportunity, where am I meant to be? Um, and, and when Curtis called me and I talked to him and Willie and, and such, it just immediately clicked. I'm like, man, these guys are, are not messing around. They really are committed. They want to take this team to the next level. I knew it would involve some growing pains. It wasn't going to be an overnight thing, but um, but when they called, it just was, I had a few different phone calls for different opportunities and some Xfinity stuff and all that. But this was just the fit where I was like, man, I would love to build a program together where we can go and win races. And it feels a lot better now that we checked that box starting off as we're just, I feel like we've just barely been getting going too. You know, you, you hear about a lot from other drivers that have ran at the top level like you did. And then, you know, when it comes to sponsorships or other things like that, didn't work out going to the truck series and some may say going back to the truck series is one thing but it's kind of like you said it's a restart uh, for your career but it's kind of a lot of people have found homes in the truck series 100 percent, man it's uh, you know it's i was talking to ben rhodes about it and time and jeski and some of those guys that have been you know in the series now for a, a good little chunk of time and and we we talked about how enjoyable it is and how you know it's it's so nice to be so thankful for what we are doing and racing in the truck series. So I, I honestly enjoy the heck out of it. I'm so appreciative for all the cup stuff, everything too. And I'm, I'm just along for the ride. I'm happy I have a home with Rackley War. So I'm, you know, I love, I love doing that. I haven't had a home, you know, I've bounced around a bunch over the years, but it's, um, you know, it's so neat to be in this spot. And, and I was also at the point of, you know, I was like, all right, enough's enough. Um, I'm very thankful for my whole journey to get here, but. I'm done being the the so close guy. Oh, the heartbreak guy. The so close. I'm like, all right, it's time we get a dang checkered flag here. I, that story's that story's old news at this point. We need to get some wins. Well, let's transition into that win that you had at Talladega, and you know, you guys have been running well this season. You had a good handful of top tens. You've been up towards the front. Some of the other finishes, I know, you're disappointed with because you guys had good runs going. But when you go back to Talladega, last lap, that flew out the caution and the checkered flag. What was going through your mind at that point when you had to sit there and wait at the end of pit road? Oh, that was the worst part. I was actually way calmer under green. I was fine under green. My heart rate was fine. I was just more staying in the zone of the chess match that we were fighting there. It was after the checker was the worst part sitting over there. I don't know what the actual time was. I would like to find out, but it felt like it was, you know, two and a half hours that I was sitting in there. And then my spotter, Doug Campbell, would key up the mic. And I, every time he'd key up, I would think he's about to give the results. And he'd be like, he'd key up, and he'd be like, nothing yet. And I was like, oh. And then he'd key up again, and I'd be like, oh. And then he'd be like, still waiting. Oh, and it felt like forever. But it was so dang relieving when I when I found out, you know, it was us. And I was pretty darn confident. I was almost positive 
that it was us because even though I was trying to gather it up and you know I was spinning from the contact I knew I was going to spin from the contact with uh, Ben Rhodes um, I was I still saw the caution light come on and I looked and I saw it and I took a quick glance even as I'm gathering up trying to crash because I knew that would be the race the end of the race and I glanced over to my right and saw that we were you know out in front so uh, but they just made me had made me a little extra nervous put us in the driver's seat coming off a of turn four hitting the trioval coming to that checkered flag and we know how exciting things can be at talladega when you especially when you're coming to the win what was set us up on how it was from your perspective you know i, I feel like for me personally I, I have to get into a mental mind state at those things where you're like all right let's just block it out i understand that what we're doing here playing bumper trucks 200 miles an hour is crazy uh, like just it feels crazy you know it's so it's just we're you have, an, you have to get in a whole different mindset where you're like, all right, throw that out the window. You have to get in a mindset of just, this is a chess match, remove all emotion and just do what we study. And that's kind of the mental state I stay in. And we really did a good job of that throughout the race. We had to go to the back with 20 laps to go and drive all the way through the whole field. And we just weaved in and out and made our way up there. And at the end, you know, before the race started, I was like, if I could be in third at the end, I know my truck's going to push better than it's going to lead. If I could be somewhere around third and be on the bottom, just pushing like crazy, hopefully the C's part and it works out for us at the end. And sure enough, it, it did. I was just timing my runs and timing my pushes um, to where it worked out, to where I was locked on off the four and just shoved them with everything I had and see where it ended up. That's uh, a huge deal indeed, and it was a great win. Of course, your truck had damage from an earlier incident too, so I know the arrow probably wasn't perfect on that truck for you to be able to get back to that point. Yeah, 100%. We had a right rear tire coming apart uh, with 20 to go as well, and so it was uh, it was not just like a perfectly smooth day. We had to come from the back a couple times and late in the race, which made it all that much more satisfying because it was just amazing. I owe so much to Doug Campbell, my spotter. He is awesome. It's no coincidence uh, that you know, he won the Daytona 500 this year with Austin Sendrick and that we've been so close so many times on super speedways because um, really the study and preparation and that relationship between us is incredibly important at those races. And I'm so thankful it paid off. All right. Let's talk about the fact that you finally have that first win in a major NASCAR series of the top three. Now, when you look at the stats, you finally have that number one right there in that win column. How special is that for you, Matty D? Oh, gosh feels like I told my wife, I'm like, man, I felt like 500 pounds was lifted off my shoulders, <laughs> finally. <laughs> and and I'd been thinking it too. I'm like, you know, if we have, like, I just feel like I kind of said earlier a little bit of if we've talked about, I'm like, you know, I'm I'm just done with, you know, I'm so thankful, been close so many times and right. on the white flag and all the heartbreak and all that stuff. But I was like, I'm, I'm pretty well done with that. It's like, I mean, it's just, it just feels so long overdue for a win. And I wanted it so bad for our for our race team and it's not easy man there's a lot of really good race trucks and we're up against a lot of really tough competition so the truck series ain't no joke there's a lot of fast trucks but it's so so relieving to finally be like all right we've won now let's move forward and work toward next year and let's click off a lot more I, you know I, I came and saw you afterwards in victory lane right at the same time i think your wife called and you guys facetimed in there in victory lane i, I could see the emotion in your eyes obviously in her eyes too this was this is huge for the family Oh man, so much! It was uh, it was such a relief. My wife was crying. She uh, scared our dog Brian because she was screaming so loud here, and she, you know, and she didn't get to come to this one unfortunately because uh, we've been moving. We just moved to a new house, and it's been crazy and busy. And so we go down there and we won it. But either way, we had an awesome time just going back here and sort of low key 
low-key celebrating. Everyone's like, are we having a huge party and tons of people coming over and all this? And I was like, man, I know I'm going to sound like I'm 200 years old, but honestly, I'm kind of tired. I'm ready to go home and relax. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, Jason. Coming up, a flashback to the 1962 National 400 at Charlotte. This is NASCAR Live. Now, back to Mike Bagley. We're about to head for the exits on this week's NASCAR Live. Before we do, we've got an MRN Classic race coming your way this week. This time, we'll look back at the 1962 National 400 from Charlotte Motor Speedway. Well, let's keep an eye on Roby Combs right now. See, Roby has the yellow flag out, the green flag behind his back. The cars are coming out of the fourth turn down to the first bend here on the home stretch. Fireball Roberts guns the motor. The green flag is out. We've got to start. Roberts goes out in front, a half car length in front of David Pearson as they go by the second bend and into the first turn. It's Roberts and Pearson and Junior Johnson. Now here's Phil Agresta. And coming into the second turn, it's... And on the back stretch, it is David Pearson pulling out ahead of Fireball Roberts, and he is our boy going into the third turn. Here's Hal Hamrick. And it is David Pearson out in front. Junior Johnson nosing out by Fireball Roberts to take over second place. Marvin Patch coming in fast, holding forth behind the Fireball as they go up the front straightaway. And it's young David Pearson going into the first turn, leading the first lap of the National 400. And side by side in second place, Fireball Roberts and Junior Johnson, followed by Marvin Patch. Three Pontiacs and a Ford. And now as we move down the backstretch, young David Pearson is out in front in his car number six, a 1962 Pontiac. Moving on. This young lad took the jump here from Fireball and really moved out. The Fireball has dropped back to third place. Junior Johnson now riding in second place on Pearson's back bumpers. They come out of the fourth turn and down the front straightaway. And it looks now like Marvin Patch is going to pull up on Fireball. Marvin right behind Fireball in fourth position. And directly behind Marvin Patch comes Bobby Johns of Miami, Florida. And they're stretched out in that order right now with David Pearson, Junior Johnson, Fireball Roberts, and in fourth position, Marvin Patch. That's the field, and they're one, two, three, four in that order. And it looks now like Marvin Patch is going to try to take fireball on that third turn, Sammy. Bobby Johns is moving up on Marvin on the inside, going into the third turn. And Bobby and Marvin are fighting for fourth place. Joe Weatherly moving in in sixth place back there, right on Bobby Johns' back bumpers. They come out of the fourth turn. Young David Pearson still leading this race, followed by Junior Johnson. As they come out of the fourth turn, down the straightaway in third place is Fireball Roberts. Fourth is Marvin Patch, Bobby Johns fifth, Joe Weatherly sixth, Freddie Lorenzen running seventh, Richard Petty running eighth. And Jack Smith is battling it out for ninth position back there. You know, we have those eight cars now are separating from the pack, Sammy. And it looks as if that's going to be the race for a while with those eight cars at least... Oh, 100 yards ahead of the next five. And now Junior Johnson has moved out in front of David Pearson and is leading here at the National 400 at Charlotte. Coming out of the fourth turn, Junior Johnson about three car lengths in front of Dave Pearson, who is about four car lengths in front of Fireball Roberts, who's running third. A battle back there for fourth spot still continues, this time between Bobby Johns and Marvin Panch and Joe Weatherly right behind them. Bobby Johns and Marvin Panch are side by side going into the first turn. Weatherly sitting right on their back bumpers to take advantage. Richard Petty now running about three or four car lengths behind Weatherly. 
You know, those boys could reach out and shake hands. They're so close there, Sammy. That they possibly could. Junior Johnson setting the pace right now after David Pearson jumped off the lead for the first couple of laps. Now Junior's moved out there, and the wild men of the mountains from Ronda, North Carolina, is sitting out leading the National 400 right now and setting a tremendous pace. You can hear more of that classic race on MRN Classics this week and on MRN.com. This MRN flashback is brought to you by Mahindra. Race fans, don't forget to cheer for Chase Briscoe in the Mahindra Tractors number 14 car and race into your local dealer for big savings on Mahindra, the official tractor of tough. Folks, that's all the time we have for you for this week. I'd like to thank Joey Logano for stopping by. Our thanks to Matt Benedetto as well. For the rest of the MRN crew, I'm Mike Bagley. We thank you for joining us, and we'll chat with you again next week right here on NASCAR Live. Until then, so long, everybody. NASCAR Live is a production of the Motor Racing Network with studios in Concord, North Carolina, and was brought to you by Blue Emu Maximum Pain Relief, the official pain relief cream of NASCAR. It works fast, and you won't stink. And by Toyota. For the latest Toyota racing information, visit toyotaracing.com. Today's broadcast was produced by Alexa Wesselman, Julian Council, and Trey Downing. The executive producer for MRN is Ryan Horn. Remember to visit MRN.com for all of the latest news and information. NASCAR Live is produced under an exclusive license with NASCAR. Any use of the accounts and descriptions contained in this broadcast must be with the express written permission of NASCAR and the Motor Racing Network. Ruoff Mortgage wants to welcome you home with their fast and stress-free mortgage process. Ruoff knows that when you're ready to move, you want to keep things moving. From the moment you start, Ruoff makes sure the process moves quickly, often twice as fast as other lenders, so you can close quickly and settle in sooner. Visit Ruoff.com to learn how you can qualify for the fastest loan of your life. That's Ruoff, R-U-O-F-F.com.